Hey church, good morning. I hope you're doing well today. This weekend, I am in Puerto Rico with an organization called Convoy of Hope, and we're uh, discussing a future partnerships and mission opportunities together with pastors from all over the world. So pray for us this weekend, if you would. And, and today, you have the privilege from hearing from our good friend, Dan Leanne. Dan doesn't need an introduction around here. He's one of the most gifted communicators I've ever met, is a good friend, and today, he's going to bring it. So put your hands together and welcome Dan Leanne to the stage. Good morning. While your hands are warm, put your hands together for King Jesus. Come on, in this room, we worship him. Alone worthy of praise. Well, good morning. Uh, what an honor and privilege to be with uh, y'all uh, here at Battle Creek. And uh, uh, my name is Dan Leanne. If we haven't had a chance to meet, uh, I'm an extended part of the family here, and uh, I just wanted to put it out there. I'm going to make it a point to just hang out at the end of the service and in between services, and, and if we've never had a chance to connect, and you want to come up and say, hey, g'day, howdy, what's up, ni hao, whatever you feel like you need to say, um, I would love to uh, hear you say it. And specifically, if you came here this morning, and you're a little low in encouragement, and you need some encouragement, and you just want a hug from a chunk. Asian dude. Uh, I'm your chunky Asian dude, you know what I'm saying? So if you're watching from one of our campuses, you can jump in the car and come on out to uh, the campus here. I'm going to be giving out uh, free hugs all day. Is that cool? I've got a flight to catch at 345, uh, but until then, I'm expecting this, this shirt to get all kinds of messy, you know what I'm saying? I want to see makeup on it. I want to see some sweat and some snot. I would love to be an encouragement this weekend, because in all seriousness, that's what I felt the Holy Spirit say to me when I was asking Him about this weekend. You see, see, one of the challenges of coming to a church year after year, Pastor Alex and I have become very good friends. He's also a, a mentor of mine. He is a model in my life. And, and uh, I've had the chance to come back here, I think, for like three or four years now. The only problem is coming back regularly and doing youth camps and all that kind of stuff. The only problem is for a traveling speaker, you use all your material, you know what I'm saying? All that like well-run, rehearsed material, it's basically all spent. And so basically, after like the three-year mark, every time you come to a church, you need something fresh, you need something new. And so that's what I was doing. This week, I was just getting before the Holy Spirit and asking this simple question, what do you want to say to your children at Battle Creek? And I felt the Holy Spirit say very clearly He wanted to bring a word of hope and encouragement to each and every single one of you all. And and so beyond just the words that I speak this morning, I hope and pray that you feel like you're in a room right now who wants to bring you hope and give you encouragement. And if you need a hug, if you need some connection, if you're struggling right now, you are not alone. There are brothers and sisters in Jesus all around you who want you to leave today with more hope in your soul than you came in with. Come on, more encouragement bouncing around in your head and your heart than you woke up with. Today is a day of crazy encouragement that the Holy Spirit wants to bring. I got a really simple word for you today, and I felt the Holy Spirit talk about how God wants to bring some encouragement Uh, as we talk about a season that many people find themselves in. It's a season of waiting. If you're writing down notes this morning, you can pull out your leather-bound journals and your pens right now, and that is today's sermon title, Waiting, Waiting. 
There are some people who are in a season of waiting. And it's important for us, dare I say, imperative for us as a faith community to process healthily seasons of waiting on God. Because waiting is disturbing. Waiting is distressing. And waiting not properly processed with the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the people of God can become destructive to our journey. But here's the good news Jesus didn't come all the way to this earth, live a perfect life, die an unjust death, be buried in a tomb, overcome sin and death, and offer you life today so that you would be destroyed. He came all the way so that you could live a life and a life more abundant. He wants to help you, especially in these seasons where it feels like you're waiting on God. So we're going to talk about some waiting in about 32 minutes time. Some people in one of our rooms is going to give their lives over to King Jesus. Three minutes after that, we're going to feel the Holy Spirit bring some encouragement. Seven minutes after that, we're going to have a giant group hug. Ten minutes after that, we're going to talk about the best Greek food within a 10-mile radius of this place. Because that's what I want today. I'm feeling like a little bit of Greek. Is that cool? Okay, so that's effectively the flight path for today. But let me pray and we'll jump into it. Dear Jesus, help! Amen. I hate waiting on people. Who, who hates waiting on people? Who is near somebody right now who makes you wait all the time? Come on. No shame, just truth in this room. I, I, I don't like waiting on people because... It makes me assume a couple of things about that person if you're making me wait. All right? I'm not one of those crazy early people. You know those people who are like five minutes early is late? Who are those kinds of people in the room? You know what I'm saying? Okay? Uh, but then I'm, I'm not the other kind of person where it's like kind of if I'm meant to be somewhere at five o'clock, that means like kind of five-ish, which means like 6.30. I'm not one of those people. I'm like a, if it's five o'clock, it's five, four, three, two, one, five o'clock and I'm in there. You know what I'm saying? That, I'm one of those people, all right? But people who kind of make me wait frustrate me deeply because it makes me conclude a few things about them. Either, number one, they are so bad at life. <laughs> they couldn't be on time even if they wanted to. You know what I'm saying? Like there, it's like, we've got to be somewhere at 5 o'clock, and then it's 5.15, and oh my goodness, I have to be there at 5 o'clock, and they start running around, and I need a shower, and I've lost my shoes. and So number one, People like that frustrate me because I, <laughs> there's a husband and a wife kind of just like, like nudging each other and pointing each other right now. We'll talk about some encouragement from the Holy Spirit and some marriage stuff later on. Is that cool? All right. <laughs> it frustrates me because it's like, are you so bad at life that you can't be on time even if you wanted to? Flip it, it also frustrates me because the other logical conclusion is you could be on time, but you don't care to be on time. Do you care about me so little that you leave me sitting at this cafe? Do you care about me so little that you have me sitting in the car with the engine running as you're kind of putting on your, this, that's like kind of totally fictional. It is like, it's not made, it's totally made up. It doesn't happen to me every single time I go out with my wife. You know what I'm saying? Like, are you so uncaring that you don't care to be on time? When someone leaves you waiting, it causes you to ask logical questions. Either you're running late because you forgot about me, or you're running late because you couldn't be here on time. 
And that's the reason it's really important for us to process through with the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the people of God where God is when He's leaving us waiting. Because if we don't process through correctly, we'll end up in one of those two spaces and we'll think that way about God. Here is a promise that He gave me. Here's a healing that was meant to be on the way. Here's a relationship that was meant to be restored. Here was something that was meant to happen, and I felt the Holy Spirit talk to me about it, but it hasn't happened yet. And now you're waiting, and you are asking this question, either God, A, you don't have the power or the ability to follow through on your promise, or B, you care, but not enough to show up for me on time. And we have to deal with those two mentalities that a lot of us carry regarding God when we find ourselves in seasons of waiting. Waiting. Have you ever had to wait on God for anything? I know I have. We've been told that God is the the God of financial breakthrough. He's Jehovah, you know, Jireh, the God who provides for us. And and we've been told that, that he's got like cattle on like a thousand hills and And that's all true, but there are some people in this room right now who are waiting on God for a financial miracle. Maybe even this week you were sitting at your desk or a dinner table looking at your bills trying to work out how to make ends meet when it feels like the ends are running away from one another. And it's frustrating to you because you know that he takes care of people. And it's frustrating to you because you can see your your friends around you getting blessed and, and flourishing in this season. But for you, it feels like you're going backwards. And you feel you have a promise from God. You sense the Holy Spirit wants to provide, but for some reason, you sit there at that desk or that dinner table asking this question, where are you, God? Why are you leaving us waiting, waiting? How about for some mothers and fathers in this room and you've got a child who is far away from God and you see this prodigal and you know that God has so much for them, so much love to extend, so much freedom and forgiveness for them to feel. And, and you know that God works in the hearts of teenagers. A couple of weeks ago, you had a youth camp and, and you've seen all of these beautiful relationships with Jesus explode in the hearts of your teenagers but for some reason it feels like that explosion has missed your kid and so you and your wife or you and your husband metaphorically stand on the porch of your house looking out waiting for your child to return but instead of taking steps back towards the house of God they're running away at a rate of knots and you're asking this question God do you care about my kid why do you leave me waiting Waiting. Are are there some men and women here in this room and you've been married a couple of years and you've been trying for children and and you've seen your friends in your social circle enter into that season of life with the the birth of a son or a birth of a daughter and and you're doing everything right. You're you're, you're like trusting God and you're worshipping him and you're praising him and and you're following basically the calendar and you're doing it, but every single month you check and not yet. And you're left waiting, waiting. How about that healing? You hear it all the time. He's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. 
You've heard the stories. You've seen the video testimonies. The cancer that disappeared, that, that tumor that shrunk, that person that received their sight back again. You've heard the stories, but you ask the question in the quiet of your soul, where's my story? Where's my video testimony? Why am I left here in a doctor's office with another bad report? Hey, God, I know you're good. I know you're strong, but where's your strength and your goodness right now? Why have you left me here waiting? Waiting. I know a lot of people in the Christian church are asking this question of Jesus. In America, where it feels like every single week, just when you think things can't get crazier, things get crazier. And you know that God loves this country, that God loves his people, that God loves his church. But for some reason, it feels like in this battle between light and darkness, that darkness is running up the scoreboard. And you're waiting for Jesus to step into the game and to call a time out and to drive the football into an end zone. But you're asking this question, hey, Jesus, why are you sitting on the bench right now? Why have you left us waiting? Waiting. See, the reality, we're all knit together by this common thread. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter of your ethnicity or your background, it doesn't matter how educated you are or uneducated you are. The reality, reality is this side of eternity, if you walk with Jesus at some point, you're going to be left waiting, waiting. And you're going to have to learn how to process through that season so that you don't get stuck in a space or a place of despair or destruction. And that's the reason... God, by his spirit, gives us the word of God to not only process, but to develop a faith stance in amongst any season that life may dish up this side of eternity, including and especially seasons of waiting, waiting. I want to turn you to a portion of Scripture Turn your attention to a time where Jesus left his friends waiting, waiting. I want to contend that this story is recorded for all posterity to help you and me understand exactly where God is, what Jesus is up to when we are waiting, waiting. If you have your Bibles, would you go with me to the book of John chapter 11. We're going to have a look at a story from verses 1 through to 44. And for the sake of time and the fact that I do have a lunch window where I want to eat Greek, we aren't going to read all 44 verses, but I'll tell you the story. Let me read the first six verses to you. John chapter 11, verse 1, a time when Jesus left everyone waiting, waiting. Verse 1, the Bible says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. To give you the context, at the end of chapter 10, you'll see Jesus hanging out in a region called Bethany, east of the Jordan. So right now, bless you, he's about 15 miles away from where 
this sickness is occurring. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha send word to Jesus. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. It's logical, it's reasonable. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus owned the Airbnb that Jesus and the boys used to stay in when they would visit Jerusalem. They had eaten at their dinner table. Jesus had taught in their backyard. They weren't just acquaintances, they were deep and profound friends. In fact, Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus as Mary, Martha, and Lazarus loved Jesus. And so it seemed reasonable. Yo, Jesus, your boy Lazarus is sick. Laz ain't well. This ain't no like common flu kind of situation. This is like, this could be the final call. So it'd be good for you to do a day's walk and come and see your boy Lazarus and do that healing thing that you do because you've done it for everyone else. You should do it for him. Logical. It's reasonable. Verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Wait a second, you, you love Mary, you love Martha, you love Lazarus, you guys are friends. Now, this is, this is serious. Martha and Mary had sent a messenger out, traveled an entire day to let Jesus know, yo, your boy Lazarus is about to go under. It's a day's walk to begin with. And when Jesus hears all of this, the Bible says he sits down and does nothing for two whole days. As the story continues, you see the disciples question Jesus. Uh, okay, it's time to go. We've packed the tent. We're ready to roll. Let's go save Lazarus and watch you do that healing thing again. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. We're going to sit down for a little bit. They hang out for two days. After a couple of days, Jesus then says, okay, now it's time to go. The disciples respond to Jesus, why are we going now? We've been sitting here for two days, and now we've had time to think about it. It's probably a good idea we don't go anywhere near Jerusalem again, because the last time we went near Jerusalem, they nearly killed us, and I'm not trying to get killed right now. And then Jesus said, no, no, we've got to go because Lazarus is asleep. Then the disciples reply again, well, it's good that he's sleeping, because he can sleep this thing off. You ever had one of those parents where the kind of remedy to everything was sleep it off? Oh, mom, I cut my arm off at work today. I'm bleeding. Oh, just sleep it off. And then Jesus says, no, 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 no. He's not asleep. He dead. So now the disciples are going, well, it's too late. You made us wait. Now it's too late. But Jesus said, let's roll. So they do the day's walk. They get to the edge of town. And the Bible says in John chapter 11, Martha runs out first meets Jesus on the outskirts of town. And with tears in her eyes and pain in her heart, she says, Jesus, where were you? We sent word. And our brother was still alive. 
and you did nothing. Like read between the lines. She's saying you help people that you don't even know. And we're your friends. Why do you leave us waiting? Waiting. And Jesus would lovingly look at her and let her know, hey, I'm the resurrection and the life. You got to understand that I'm the writer, the director, the producer, and the star of this movie, and the final credits don't get to roll until I say they're rolling. They ain't rolling yet. Now, that confused Martha. But Jesus would let her know, don't stress, just have faith. Martha's sister Mary hears that Jesus is in town, so Mary leaves the house and runs out to meet Jesus and has a very similar conversation with Jesus like Martha had. Hey, Jesus, I thought you cared for us. I thought you're so big, you're so strong, you're so compassionate, you're so gracious. We could have really done with a little bit of your bigness and your strength, your graciousness and your kindness about two days ago. But you left us waiting. Waiting. Jesus again looks at her, doesn't judge her lack of faith doesn't try to educate her on her wrong point of view. He just says to her, it's all good, baby. Just show me where Lazarus is. So they walk out to the local cemetery. The Bible says that Lazarus had been laying in there for four days already. Decay had already set in. You, you want to know what Israel feels like? Like, go outside right now and basically do a couple of laps of this facility. That heat, that humidity, that's what marked that environment they were in. So, four days, a dead body would have stunk. But Jesus commands, roll that stone away and into that tomb. He would boom, Lazarus, come out. And then a dead man rose again, still wrapped in grave clothes. And the story ended the way Jesus said it would end, his father getting glory. So here's the question. Where is Jesus in our waiting, waiting? Well, what can we glean from this story recorded deliberately for our encouragement? What are the truths we can hold on to when it feels like we've been forgotten and we're waiting, waiting? I say it all the time. You have an iPad or an iPhone, you can open up the Note app and find and thank the Lord Jesus for Steve Jobs as you do so, as you open up that Note app and you've got to scribble a couple of things down. If you have one of those like Google devices or Samsung devices, again, put it away. I've got nothing for you from this point on in the message. <laughs> Where is Jesus when he leaves you waiting? Waiting. Point number one, write this one down. Where is Jesus? He's on the way. He is on the way. Right there in verse 4, Jesus declared right from the beginning, it's all good. This story is going to end in God getting glory. I'm, I'll be on the way. Come on, he is on the 
way. If you walk out of here with nothing else, I hope and pray that you walk away with this. No matter how dark the night, no matter how deep the hole, no matter how unrelenting the pain, he is on the way. You better touch your neighbor and say, hey, he's on the way. Come on, just touch him appropriately and say, he's on the way. Come on, turn to your other neighbor and say, hey, second choice, he is on the way. Come on, Jesus is on the way. This entire story is a beautiful story about how our timing doesn't match up with God's timing, but he will always get there on time because he is on the way. One of the names of God in the Bible is Jehovah Mephalti, which literally means the Lord who delivers on time. He is always on the way. Come on, smile. That's good news. Because there is someone in this room right now going, you know what? God's forgotten me. He's overlooked me. I've been cursed. I've been overlooked. I've been forgotten. Nothing could be further from the truth. Your God is good. He's on the throne. He's on your side. And he's writing a beautiful story. And the story will end with you getting good and him getting glory. So right now you can stand firm and declare that no matter how painful the waiting he is on the way he is on the way he can't fail anyone got brought up in Sunday school Sunday school people did you ever sing a song there's nothing my God cannot do not true there are things that God cannot do he can't lie and he can't fail UPS can let you down FedEx can let you down USPS will most likely let you down. But our God is the one who always delivers on time. So you can stand firm. He is on the way. Now, in the meantime, you've got to recognize that your timing and God's timing don't line up. And I'm here to break the news to you often, most often. Your timing and God's timing don't link up. One of the funniest things I hear from people that I journey with and I mentor and I disciple is, well, Diane, I'm learning this, this, this lesson in life where my timing and God's timing don't always line up. At what point did you think God is a big guy in the sky waiting for you to set the schedule and he's like keeping up with you? Seriously. And a lot of your stress and a lot of your pain and a lot of your darkness comes from this erroneous thinking that if you have faith, you can somehow manipulate timing and an outcome. Can can I help someone in this room? You would do life with so much more peace and so much more joy, with so much more laughter in your household, with such a bigger smile in your dial and a bounce in your step, when you recognize that you are not in control. And you might think that's bad news. That's good news. Because all I know is that he's God and I'm not. And if I was in total and absolute control, you think this world is messy right now? You ain't got no idea how messy our lives would get if we were in total and absolute control. So if you're writing down notes, just recognize this, that a mistake that I've made as a pastor and a preacher throughout the years is I've drawn a picture of God that is rather formularic. 
that if you do A plus B, it will equate to C. And a lot of your fear and your frustration is connected to this misunderstanding that faith somehow manipulates outcomes. Faith doesn't manipulate outcomes. Faith doesn't manipulate timing. It just puts you on God's timing. Faith makes you recognize, listen to this, that God writes a story and his hands are good. And this story ends up for your good and his glory. And faith is being sure and certain, even though you don't see it, even though you can't feel it right now, there's a bigger story being written. And I'm going to trust God to see this story unfold. And you can know that every single story, every single episode, every single season will end with God showing up and delivering because he is always on the way. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, he's on the way. His hope is on the way. His power is on the way. His grace is on the way. His peace is on the way. His power is on the way. Point number two, write this down. Not only is he on the way, he is present in your pain. He is present in your pain. The fear you feel, the frustration you experience, he does not judge, he does not belittle, he does not condemn. Why? Because he is present in our pain. How do we know that? Because as you read through the book of John chapter 11, you'll see Jesus interacting with Martha and Mary and the Bible talks about how Mary and Martha were crying. And the shortest verse in all of the Bible is recorded. In verse 35, Jesus wept too. Here's the question. Why did Jesus cry? Jesus knew the outcome. Jesus already knew that there would be a resurrection out of all of this. Jesus already knew how this was going to play out. Why did Jesus cry? Why? Because he is present in our pain. He knew how things were going to play out. But he was so concentrated on how the one he loves was feeling. He couldn't help but be moved by emotion too. I hear this question all the time. Does God see me cry? Does he really know my pain? And I can point to this passage and say yes. And he is present in your pain. I'm a sympathetic crier. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll be hanging out in a movie and if my wife goes and then my 18-year-old daughter follows, I'm right behind no, usually related to some kind of pet-related death, I'm gone. <laughs> and I try to do the whole fight it, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm trying to be like a manly man, whatever that means, you know what I'm saying? So I do this one, I kind of, I hope that gravity helps. <laughs> I do this one. It doesn't help, makes it worse. God's a sympathetic cry. Even though he knows the miracle that he's going to perform, he loves you so much and he is so close to you right now that he is present in your pain and he'll weep with you. 
He's not weeping out of feeling overwhelmed and unable to do anything. He weeps because he knows it hurts. And when you hurt, he feels it. Get your mind around that. That's what won my heart to Jesus as a freshman in college. You see, being raised with an extended family with different faith traditions, God was always an unknowable figure, distant, distant off somewhere in the universe, and you had to do certain things and be a certain kind of person, and somehow you could please this faraway God, and every now and then he'd sprinkle good things on you. And then I met a pastor who started to pursue me and, and disciple me and try to help me understand the gospel. And he would declare that, you know what? No, God isn't far away watching me trying to perform. God comes so close to me to be with me every day that he can, with all integrity, look at me and say, whatever you go through, I'll go through with you. That's what won my heart to Jesus. Every world religion says, be, be a certain thing to get away from this earth. The gospel, come on, and the beautiful message of Christianity declares a good God, come on, who came all the way into this earth to be present with us every day. Come on, he is present in your pain. You're sitting nervous in a doctor's office going, is the cancer back? He's present in your pain. Hey, hey, you're together and you're looking at that test and you, not this month, maybe next month. He is present in your pain. Hey, hey, you're single and you're, you know, you're, you're waiting for that person who's going to complete you, you know what I'm saying? Like this, <laughs> there's some young ladies in this room right now who go, I'm doing everything right by the book. I'm dating Jesus in the meantime, staying pure and holy, waiting for someone who's like half Edward, half Jacob, reads the Bible, come along and that kind of. I'm just waiting for Mr. Right. But right now, you would settle for Mr. Close Enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> See, we laugh right now, but some people weren't laughing last night. And you're asking this question, hey, he is present in your pain. Another Sunday, will you sit here at church without your husband and your wife because God needs to do something in your marriage. And you're waiting for your healing and you're waiting for your breakthrough and you don't know. He's present in your pain. We have a God who weeps. Not out of weakness, but because he is so connected to your journey. Whoo. Thirdly and lastly, and then we're going to talk about Greek food. He's not only on the way, he's not only present in your pain. Thirdly and lastly, he gets the final say. Can, can you just like hold on to that? That in your season of waiting, not only is he on the way, because he's the God who delivers, and not only is he present in my pain, he doesn't judge my frustration, he doesn't get down on me because I stress, he just weeps with me because he is so connected to my journey. But he will get the final say. I love the way this story comes to a conclusion. In verse 43, 
Jesus shows up and it feels like he's left them all waiting, waiting. That it's now way too late. But Jesus still declares, roll the stone away. And with just one word, a dead man would rise again. Hope would be restored. Darkness would kneel as his glorious light would reign. He would boom, Lazarus, come out. That's the power of God's word. That's the reason he had to specifically say, Lazarus, come out. Because he was in a cemetery. And if he didn't say Lazarus and he just said, come out, everyone would have woken up. It would have been one of those kind of, remember Michael Jackson thriller kind of, that, that, that kind of like the zombies. All the Gen X's were like laughing at that one. All the millennials are going to YouTube that later. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel in my spirit, some people have forgotten the power and the ability for God to turn things around with just a word in an instant. Just one word. But Dan, I've been waiting for a whole year. Just one word. But Dan, this has been going on for a decade. Just one word. And a dead man would rise again. Can I take you to Sunday school for 30 seconds? I feel like I always got to do this. I got to take you to Sunday school. Come, this is our God. He's so powerful who created the heavens and the earth in six days and still gave us a day off to watch college football. You know what I'm saying? Oklahoma going to have a good year this year. You know why? Because you've got a Clemson head coach right now. You know what I'm saying? Hey, come on, this is our God. Come on, He's so strong. He can bring forth the nation of Israel from a pensioner and his barren wife. Come on, this is our God. He's so strong. He can split the Red Sea with nothing but a stick and a gust of wind and His Word. Come on, this is our God. He's so strong. He can bring down the walls of Jericho with nothing but a song and a shout. This is our God. He's so strong. He can fell the giant Goliath with nothing but a sling and a stone. Come on, this is our God. He's so strong. He can close the mouth of the lion, open the eyes of the blind, heal the sick, raise the dead, birth the church. Just one word and everything can turn around in an instant but in the meantime he's on the way and he's present in your pain but fear not he always gets the final say Come on, death does not get the final say. Sickness does not get the final say. Disease does not get the final say. Depression does not get the final say. Come on, darkness does not get the final say. Come on, division does not get the final say. Come on, Jesus alone gets the final say. And if you're grateful for that, come on, give him a praise right now just for five seconds. My time is done. The trap door is about to open. But I just want to do two things before I wrap up. Number one, there's someone in this room who over the last 36 minutes, you've asked yourself, I don't know if I have a real personal friendship with Jesus. 
I've got religion. I've been to church. I know some of the songs. I've even read the Bible once or twice, but I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I want you to know on every single campus, that's all Christianity is. It's not about rules or regulations. It's not about clearing religious bars so that you can say, hey, you know what? I've cl-. No, no, no. It's about recognizing that God loves you and comes to find you exactly where you are. And that feeling you've had over the last 30 minutes or so of Him knocking at your heart's door, that feeling of God talking directly to you is actually Him trying to take residence in your life. So with every eye closed and no one looking around, if you're saying, Dan, that's me, I've got some religion, but I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. On every single campus, if that's you, would you just open up your heart to Him? Would you pray a prayer that heaven will hear and will change the trajectory of your life? Would you receive life abundant and life eternal? So with every eye closed and no one looking around, if that's you and you're saying, I want a personal relationship with Jesus, when I count to three, lift your hands. Are you ready? One, two, three. Just lift your hands where you are. I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand. I see your hand over here as well. I see your hand at the back there. I'm sure there are some hands up in our campuses. Hey, let's just pray this prayer out loud all together, especially if you lifted your hand. Let's pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, I open up my heart to you. Thank you for today. I receive your life. I turn from my own way. I turn towards yours. Help me by your spirit. Live now for your glory. Amen. Can you put your hands together for the people who lifted theirs? Wow. So cool. There were a bunch of hands that went up in this room. At the end of this gathering, you're going to have a a pastor jump up and you're going to help you with your next step. If you're in this room right now, I'm going to be hanging around the front. I'm going to pop a breath mint, and, and I would love to give you a hug or a high five. We're pumped about your jump, but we're committed to your journey. And we want you to walk out your life full of His love, full of His grace, and full of His power. So don't leave without connecting if you prayed that prayer. For the rest of us as we finish off our time, with every eye open and every head raised and everyone looking around in a judgmental manner, Now, in all seriousness, there's nothing as, and we've talked about this before, there's nothing as humbling as saying, I need God with people watching. And the Bible also says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we're actually activating a promise as we do this. And I would love to knit faith with anyone in this room or any of our campuses who are saying, you know what, Dan, that's me. Hey, Dan, that's us. We're in a season of waiting and that word was absolutely for my story or for my family. And I want you to leave here, come on, with some deep encouragement and grace added to your journey. Is that cool? So with every eye open and every head raised and everyone looking around, 
If you've been through one of those seasons and it's impacted you in a detrimental way, or you're in one of those seasons, would you just lift your hand right now over your head? Come on. Come on, it's early in the day, your deodorant was holding strong. Keep them lifted. Keep them lifted. See, you're not alone. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus that you feel Him on the way. That you sense His presence as He's present. And that you would get your final say. Is that cool? And when I say amen, we're going to go live into every single auditorium, every single campus, and a campus pastor will shepherd you from there. Is that cool? So dear Jesus, right now, we ask you to be so present amongst us. Help us by your spirit know what it's like to have a God who has not forgotten us, but is on the way, who is so present in our pain. And Jesus, we trust you're going to get the final say. But in the meantime, let us know in this moment, you're closer than ever. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, just praise Jesus for a moment right now. So we're just in this room right now. Um, This is how I love to finish off today. We're going to worship God in song in a little bit. All right? I'm going to head down to this corner here. We're also going to have like pastors and leaders and ministry teams. We're going to like kind of just be milling around the front. Is that okay, Josh? Is that cool? If you lifted your hand and you know that that word was for you and you need someone to stand with you in this season of waiting and just pray a simple prayer with you, come on, don't let pride hold you back from getting something that you were meant to leave with today. Amen? So everyone just stand to your feet right now. And if you're one of those seasons and you want someone to knit faith with you in this moment, we're going to have pastoral teams around. And as we worship God, I'm going to encourage you to slip out of your seats. I'm going to be down here as well. We're going to praise God for a little bit. And then we're going to talk about Greek food. Is that cool? All right. So if you're one of those seasons, come on, slip out of your seat right now and connect. And we're going to worship God. Thanks, Trey. Come on.